welcome to Quilting Business Success, the podcast where we interview quilters just like you who have turned their passion for quilting into a profitable long-arm quilting business. I'm your host, Andrew Weaver, and in each episode we'll bring you stories of quilters who had the same doubts and fears that every quilter has when they think about pursuing their quilting dreams. But these quilters moved forward anyway, despite their fears, and today you'll hear their stories. Welcome, everyone. We appreciate you joining us here on the Business Success Webinar. I'm Shandy Brinkman. I'm with the Education Department at Gamble, and I'm here filling in for Andrew and Bobby tonight. So the boys are taking a night off, um, although Andrew may join us in a little bit. So if we see him pop in, that's that we hope he makes it. Um, we'll introduce our guests for this evening. We've got Kayla Bain and Donna Quesada. And so we're excited that both of these ladies have joined us here this evening to talk about their quilting journeys. So um, what we'll do is we'll kind of start, um, we'll start with Kayla and ask her our big long list of questions and learn more about her quilting journey. And then we'll switch to Donna. But Donna, if you have anything you want to um, say or join in, we'd love to hear from you while we are talking. Real quick though, before we start the whole back and forth thing, um, Kayla, you wanna just tell us um, where you're from and the name of your business and Donna, you do the same? Yeah, so um, I'm located in Wisconsin Dells, Wisconsin um, and my business is called 31 Lemons. And I'm Donna Quesada and I live south of Seattle in Enumclaw, Washington. And my business is called Donna Q's Creations. Right. Well, thank you again, both for being here. Um, so we'll start with Kayla. So Kayla, can you tell us how long you've been long arm quilting for? <laughs> well, uh, just under three years. Uh -huh. So I um, didn't, I mean, I guess you could say three years if that's prior to owning my own machine. Um, but I don't have much under my belt it's all a new new game for me um sorry i'm looking this way because that's where my long arm is I'm, <laughs> i have to be enduring right i have to look at it like i i love it so it will treat me nice too um but yeah i'm fairly new i'm not a huge piecer but i have found um a love and passion for digitizing and um, being able to use my statler awesome awesome so what made you decide to start long arming? Well, I wanted a creative outlet really is what it came down to. Um, I went up on a trip with my mom to Hudson, Wisconsin to rent some time on a machine. Um, I didn't want to go. I had two under two at the time. And my mom said she, she looked at me and knew I needed a break, right? So she invited me up to go with her. She had a girlfriend that lived up there. So she had taken the classes to play on a gamble before I had. Um, by the end of it, I was telling her what to do and how to use the machine, you know. Um, so on her four and a half, five hour drive home, um, my mom said, Kayla, you can turn this into a business. You can buy one of these. You can do this. And I said, no, I can't. I've got two young kids at home. And I have, I don't, I don't have the time for it. I don't have the time for it. And she said, that's exactly why you need to do it. You know, so that way I could stay at home with my kids and run a business off my own hours. So um, 
it's not something that I knew I wanted to do right away. Of course, making a purchase like this takes some time and it took me, well, two and a half, three years after that. Um, my kids were going off to school. Stella was going into school full time and I knew I needed something more for myself. So at the time I went back to my local dealer and I said, hey, can I like check things out again? Um, and he said, well, prices go up at midnight tonight. So, you know, give, a, give us a check to hold the spot. So that's what I did. And we talked about it a little bit more. And um, we knew that as a family that I needed something to be more creative, to get out of just being mom and chef and housekeeper and all those things. So it was great to be able to put that intensity into something for me, but still provide for my family at the same time. That's awesome. Well, and it seems like a quick decision, you know, having less than 24 hours, but um, really it's something it sounds like you'd been thinking about tossing around for, for a while. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it, it was just the, the straw that broke the camel's back, right? <laughs> we needed, we needed the push and we, we definitely get the push. Say, sometimes you just need that little extra nudge. <laughs> that's what oh. We call that destiny, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right. So it sounds like when you got your long arm, you already were thinking business is the, what is what I want to do with this. Yeah. Um, I guess because I didn't have, I I'm not a piecer, so I didn't have enough of my own to warrant having something like that um and this I knew that I wanted to gamble because of it being a workhorse and it's a industrial machine um so I didn't really look at any other brands I went straight to gamble and I'm so glad that I did um I hear stories of other people not starting with the gamble and I'm just glad I didn't take that that path too yeah I understand all right um, so I know you hadn't really looked at other brands, but was there anything particular, did you have any other experience at all or never, you just kind of had that one experience with the gamble and then that was, that was it. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. That was it. it. Um, I, it was one of those things that if I'm going to use it as a business, you, you got to get the top of the line right away so that you can succeed from the beginning. You know, the, that's the last thing you want is to be dealing with maintenance of a machine that you don't really know all that much about. Um, so when, when I got my machine, they said, well, do you want to learn about the maintenance first or stitching? I said, oh, maintenance. Like, while well, my mind is fresh, let me learn about maintenance. And they said, oil it, dust it. <laughs> you know, so um, that was one that I went, okay, sounds good. I, I bought the right machine, right? <laughs> You're like, all right, now let's move on to stitching. Yeah, right, exactly, exactly. Awesome. And so you started immediately with the Statler, right? I did. Um, yeah, I I can't draw. And I, um, as far as free motion goes, Statler owners always say, oh yeah, I'd love to do free motion. Right now in my life, that's not something I have time for. Yeah. And something that takes practice and just doodling, not even with the machine, something you put pen to paper. And I, um, maybe if I made time for it, I'd have time for it, but that's not what I want. I like to be hands-on with creative studios and play in that. So 
why why break something that's that's working. <laughs> yeah. And when you were at the quilt shop with your mom, like years before you actually purchased, was that what they had there to use as well? Was it a Statler or did you have any? Yeah, they had a Statler. Um, they, I think they had two Statlers in their facility and then they were working on getting a third, financing for a third. Awesome. Good. Um, and I guess you still have that same one today, right? Beside you, right? <laughs> yeah, I do. Still over here. Yeah, it's moved um, homes a couple times, but other than that, no new parts. No, that's not true. I got the approach foot system. So oh, we nice. some new parts, nice. which <laughs> I'm thrilled to have. I when I started a few years ago. Um, doing some other things with it than just an edge to edge. I thought, oh, I don't need that. I don't need that. I don't need that. And then now that I have it, I go, that's, it's been the best thing it really has. Fun. So no ascend yet though, right? Uh, no, not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> we'll keep working on you. Sorry. Right, right. <laughs> awesome. Um, so now, since you were kind of new to the whole long arming and quilting world, really, did you have an idea if there was enough quilting business or enough business to support, you know, your new endeavor when you started? So I guess really the answer is no. Um, but from talk, from just being in quilt shops or fabric stores, um, seeing cards, people always talk about wall long arming one I don't even know what that is and two I don't know how to contact one I don't you know and I think um contacting a long armor can be I don't want to say scary but a lot of them um, work out of their homes so which is a great thing I love being able to work out of my home but when you're searching for somebody new um not many long armors have a website for you to go to because they don't need it. A lot of um, long arming, a lot of that advertising is spread by word of mouth. Um, and when you're new into quilting, you, you don't hear too much about it unless you're in a guild or um, you're in a close group with other people. Um, so my area in particular, I went to local quilt shops and I asked them, hey, who do you use? Who do you suggest? Who do you recommend? Some of them had um, long arms right in their store. And then I asked pricing and what their turnaround time is. Um, turnaround time is usually a pretty good factor on how many clients they have. Because if they say, oh, we're eight, 10 weeks out, well, then there's room in the market for another long okay. armor. Makes total sense. So how did you, so that's how you determine the, about the market. How did you find your customers and grow your business? Well, um, in Janesville, I start when I, I um, started business in Janesville, excuse me. I'm now in Wisconsin Dells, but starting in Janesville, I started off with um, a Google business account. And that helped a lot um, because when anybody's just searching for a business that's one of the first things that comes up is a google business page with um, a website an address all those fun things so that helped a lot um, otherwise going back to these local shops and 
trying not to infringe on their business, right? Um, but these long armors, if they're happy with their clients, they don't care about competition because they, they have enough business. There's enough to go around, right? Um, so passing out cards to those people and, and what helped me a lot is that people in my area um, refuse to do custom. They'd only do edge to edge. Um, so I was willing to do digital custom, not free motion custom. And that was good because then they still felt like they could pass out my card without competition. Mm -hmm. um, I also joined a guild in Janesville and I don't know, just getting myself out there in craft fairs and any, anything to get your name out helps because it's, it's advertising whether you, you think of it that way or not. Right. Right. Absolutely. Awesome. Um, so did you, how did you, um, fund that first machine or your, your machine? Did you finance or did you do something different? Yeah, we actually had, um, half saved up already. Um, so again, not knowing that that's what that money was going to be used for because it was a last minute decision. Um, but we had a half down payment first and then we had financing after that. Okay. And now it's paid off which is exciting. Yeah, that's great. How long did that take you to do to pay it off the machine? Well, the goal was to have it um, under five years and that was done. Um, I bought it in 21. I think it was, I think I gave the check in July of 21. And um, then after quilting, I applied for a position at Gamel. So I am now a gamble educator and I've used the money from that to finish paying off the machine. Oh. All right. So did you have any other job um, before that working like while you were quilting or was it solely the quilting? No. So what I did, the goal of course was just to quilt and to pay off the machine. Um, but my husband and I talked about it and really we didn't, we didn't want to lose any money, right? By starting a business. Um, even if the business itself wasn't making money, I wanted to make sure that I had a way to pay off that monthly payment without going negative in our personal account, right? Mm -hmm. So um, anytime that I could, I would take up a sub job at the local school and um, those paychecks went straight to that monthly payment. Now there are months that I absolutely did not need to sub, but I paid attention and went, okay, how many days do I have to sub? How can I make this work? How can I still stay at home and not have any, I don't want to say any debt with the machine because there was debt, right? Because we financed, but how to um, effectively pay that off. Let's see. Um, about, so about how many hours do you spend now quilting for others these days? Well, it's, I guess, um, there's the post Christmas slump, right? So January and early February are actually fairly slow months. I don't, um, I don't know if you guys feel this out. I'm sorry. Was it Donna? Mm -hmm. Yes. Do you, do you have the post Christmas slump too, or is it just my business around here? 
No, I'm in post-Christmas slump right now. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. typically, typically after Christmas, you know, everybody spent their money on Christmas or, you know, they, they spent their, their quilting money already preparing a gift for somebody because most quilters give their quilts away. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. so usually there's, there's a lag time, especially in January for me. Yes. Um, so February has hit now and I've gotten more. I want to say I'm at the machine at least three days a week. Um, mm -hmm. And those are probably solid days of having quilts on. So outside of January and February, is that kind of about where you try and stay as well, three days a week? Um, It's sporadic. It all depends because mm -hmm. in the spring, um, a lot of quilters are gardeners too. I don't, I've seen this anyways. I don't, I don't know, Donna, if you've seen this too, but you know, spring hits and you want the fresh air, you want to be outside. You don't feel like you're stuck at your machine. So I, I don't want to say that, um, things are really consistent because for me in my area, they're not, um, depending oh. on where other people are, they oh. might, it might be completely different, but, um, yeah. It, it definitely ebb and flows for me here in Wisconsin. So. I, I would agree with that, that, that the business ebbs and flows. Yeah. Yeah. But, but then there's places here that are so busy. There's quilt shops here that are so busy that without the long arming, they'd be out of business. Sure. The long arming is what has kept them in business. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So. So do you. I know you do both. You do both edge to edge and custom quilting. Is that right, Kayla? Yeah, I do. Pretty equal or do, would you say you do one more than the other? No, it's definitely edge to edge versus custom. Um, custom, it we just price people out of the water. It, you know, people say, oh my gosh, it's so expensive. It's so expensive. I can't afford that. And I'm going, yeah, but you don't realize how much time I'm actually taking and doing. Yeah, that's right. It, it's a lot of putsy work and if you are as particular maybe as I am or other folks are um it takes more time and finesse and that that adds up and that's something that should be said for any long armor coming into the game is that um don't doubt your work because if you know you don't want to give your work away it is a specialty no. what we're doing not all people can do this and not right. all people have the equipment that we have to be able to do this right so absolutely. I think that's pretty important for absolutely anybody coming into the game to know is um, make sure you're getting paid what you're worth <laughs> for sure um so how do you do your pricing do you do it by the hour or by the square inch I do it by the square inch. Um, so my pricing, I I never tell the customer when they come to me, this is the price you're going to get because if I get to the machine and, you know, you, there's only so much looking at their quilt top that you can do when they're right in front of you. You know, you don't want them right. seeing, inspecting yes. things and pulling things apart and judging their work. And honestly, once you get it on the machine and under the light, you see a lot more problems than maybe what you saw taking a first glance at it. So um, I need to tell them a price up front because things change when you get it onto the machine. It's not just about the pattern and how many starts or stops or um, sharp 
points you have, it's right. everything, everything gets included in that price. So like how many seams doesn't actually connect? <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, so do you charge both of your, when you're doing custom, do you do that by, by the inch as well? I do. I do. Okay. Some people do by the hour, but, um, I keep track of my hours. I do. I pay attention. And then that price per square inch goes up. Awesome. Do you have about an average that you would say you charge total for like a, a um, queen size quilt maybe? Well, let's see. Let me do the math here. <laughs> about what size is a queen? Well, 72 by 90. All right, sure. Let's just take that size of a quilt. I'm not sure if that's a lap or a queen, but let's just do a 72 by 90. So depending on the pattern, right? And this is on the low end, it would be about 150. But that that doesn't include thread because I do charge threads separately. I charge per bobbin. Um, and I also charge for, of course, any batting that they may want. Um any any additional fees like if they don't have their backing seamed and they want me to do it that's an additional seam if they want a um pattern match with the seam that's an additional fee you know there's all these little things that um or an ironing fee oh i don't like ironing so you know if they come yeah. in with something that's wrinkled and i know it's going to affect the end result and it needs to be ironed another fee you know so you I, and it's not it's not always about slapping on fees just to put fees on that's not what I'm getting at it's um you want to be compensated for your time is what it comes down to well and it yeah. makes sense you know when because not all quilts need that so I mean if you're charging what that quilt actually needs then you know customers who might not need that are getting kind of a, a break in a way so you can look at it both ways well, and it, it's stated on my website, it's stated clearly of what my expectations are when you bring something to me. Um, and a lot of those things can be seen at the client meeting, right? But again, not everything, <laughs> you know, can be seen too. So yeah. you, you have those prices there and out for them to see so that um, they know that if they got a charge, that you can go back to your website or your requirement sheet and show them why it got to the price that it got to. All right. Um, and let's see. Oh, I forgot to mention as well when we started that if anybody has a question, there's a Q&A box down in the middle of your screen. So you can always type any, um, a question in there as well. And we actually have a first question from Cindy. She's wondering, Kayla, do you give your customers a ballpark prior price prior to beginning the work? And have you ever had a customer bulk at the cost? Yeah. Um, the answer is no, I don't. Um, I, I let them know that my quilting starts at a certain price and it can go up from there. Um, when I give invoices back to clients, I always email them that invoice before I meet them in person for pickup. So then they can have the idea. They, they have the sticker shot on their own time. 
right? You know, you don't have that awkward or the embarrassment. Um, they can they can see that on their own and then they can prepare their cash or check or whatever they need to do in order to pay for it. Good idea. So about how many quilts would you say that you do in a year? Kind of like range, worst year, best year, how for you? Well, I haven't been doing it that long. <laughs> That's <laughs> <So> true. <laughs> to be perfectly honest, I don't know. I don't do my books. My husband does. He's an accountant. So if if you asked him that question, he'd probably be able to answer. Um, I bet he would have a I very would, exact number. <laughs> yes, he would. He'd get out the spreadsheet, right? Yes, um, I understand. I'm also married to an accountant. I totally get it. <laughs> yeah. So I... I would say probably um, my my first year, 2021, going into 22 was probably my strongest year, if you want to call that a year, um, because at that point, I had built up a client base in Janesville, and then we moved within the last year and a half, two years now. So um, I lost a lot of quilters because of that. Some of them still travel from Janesville to me, or if I have to go to Janesville for some reason, we'll meet up. Um, and we were doing that for a while when I first moved to the Dells, but though the end of my first year going into my second year was probably my best. Kayla, how far apart is the Dells and, and where you're at now and where you were before? It's about an hour and a half. That's a long ways. Yeah, it is. Um, and a lot of my long armors will just say, can't drive in the dark. Or the snow. My my clients, <laughs> excuse me, not my long armors. Their their um their age will stop them from driving in the dark. So um right. or just driving in general, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So do you, I think you kind of already touched on this a bit when we were talking about thread and things, but um, what other services do you provide or what do you sell? Like backing, battings, things like that? So I don't have any overhead with fabric. That's something I don't know that I'll ever do, especially in the near future, because um, there's so many options out there, right? And I can't provide them all. Um, I do have batting for sale and I have black, white, and natural 8020 um, because 8020 is my biggest seller. And I have a poly and I have a cotton. Um, another service I provide is binding. Um, I can put it on with my long arm so I can machine on one side and let them hand do it. I can um, machine both sides for them if they want. Or I have a full service, which is a separate fee that I um, machine bind it with my long arm and then I hand stitch it. So that's something I provide. Um, something I'd like to do more of, but I don't know that people know that I do is to be able to baste a quilt for any hand quilters. That's something that we can do for our long or for our clients. Um, but typically, my clients, they know what they want. They come in and they say, this is what I want. See in two weeks. All right. Let's see. Holly asked, 
when you meet with the client, do you have a form that you fill out with them um, that asks like thread color, pattern, that kind of thing? Yeah. Hi, Andrew. Hi, Andrew. Hello. <laughs> so actually I have a chicken scratch one right here, but okay. this is what I use. Um, it's, it's got information that I know that I shouldn't forget when I'm talking to them. So I do name, address, email, phone number. If they have a special name for their quilt, some people really do because it's artwork, right? So they mm -hmm. take pride in that. Mm -hmm. um, the size of the quilt, and that's mostly for me to write that information in later. Their pattern selection, thread color, batting choice, binding if they want it. Um, I also always ask if I have their permission to post their stuff on social media. Um, because as we know, a lot of quilters gift their quilts. So they don't necessarily want me posting it on my Facebook page and tagging them if it's for their adult son or daughter that sees their stuff on Facebook and then it gives the surprise away. So I'm always cautious and I always ask before I post um, anything because I don't, I don't want to ruin a surprise. So uh, Kayla, what would you say was the hardest part of growing your business? Oh, that's a tough question because I've enjoyed it a lot of aspects of it. I think it's um, probably just getting customers. I mean, especially with the move. That's been probably the biggest thing for me moving from Janesville to the Dells. Um, when we moved, we sold our house without having a home to live in. <laughs> we moved into an old farmhouse while ours was being built. Um, so at that time, my machine was at my parents' house. So traveling back and forth, um, for me, I just didn't take the time to really put myself out there in the new location because honestly, I didn't want the work. I mean, I did, right? But I, I knew it was okay to take a step back. And that's the beauty of having a business like this is that I don't have a storefront that I have to keep open or right. keep the lights on. You know, I've got the overhead of my machine and my batting, but the machine's taken care of right? So I've got my batting left, but those are small things. So I think the move was the hardest transition um, and putting ourselves out there in a new area. But for the most part, it's going great. And I've, I've liked a lot of how it's worked out so far. So. Awesome. Okay. So um, has there been any change in technology that you can think of that has happened since you started that's made it easier now than when you first began? No, I, you probably missed it. I uh, bought the machine in 21. So I've only had mine <laughs> just, just under three years here in July, it'll be three years. Um, I mean, Facebook has changed in three years. TikTok has changed in three years. Instagram has changed. It's all changed, but it's, they're small enough things that you can adapt to it. Gotcha. Gotcha. She did, however, get the approach feed system re recently. So big fan of that change. I am. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Every, every additional tool can really, can really help. Mm -hmm. Yes. I mean, the Ascend would be a nice upgrade, but I've, I've been told that's what I need next, but I don't know if I can bite the bullet yet. 
Donna said well, yes. Donna ev- says yes, you do. <laughs> everybody it's tells worth us, every penny. Everybody tells us that there's no reason to delay or to wait because that just is some number of months that you don't get to enjoy it. So what is that? 2K. Yeah. <laughs> well, so who's and of course I'm gonna have to go back and watch the beginning of this because I missed your whole interview, Kayla, but Who's been your biggest um, cheerleader and support system through this? Well, it's going to just be my family all together as a whole. Um, Every part of the business has been touched by somebody in my family somehow. I've got accountants in my family. I've got web designers in my family. Um, I have (laughs) piecers in my family that let me quilt their things for promotional, you know, pictures and whatnot for advertising. Um, so they all have a little spot. They all have a little specialty that really has turned my business into what it is. So, That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's awesome. And of course, anybody that takes the time to like a photo on Facebook or TikTok or Instagram or share something, I mean, it doesn't seem like much and it doesn't, it doesn't take much time to do. But anytime somebody does that, it's huge because it touches that many more people that maybe I just can't get myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. So what kind of impact has um, this quilting business made in your life? Like the ability to control your personal schedule and the extra money that it might bring in? Well, I know people say, oh, my gamble has changed my life, you know, and And I've heard a lot of that lately, and it actually isn't just a joke. It has. Um, I bought mine to have a creative outlet and to have something to call my own and to be able to support my, help support my family with, and it keeps me at home with my kids and I can still be mom, right? Um, But within a year and a half of having my machine, I applied for position with you guys as an educator and so that has now taken me away from home (laughs) you know changed things up a little bit I'm on tour now traveling with you all but um it's turned some into something that I never imagined it would turn into right you know you start with something small and it grew very quickly and has kind of gotten out of control (laughs) right but it's something that I've really enjoyed and um, take pride in what I do So um, what's something that you wish somebody would have told you when you first started? Um, probably don't be afraid to make mistakes and screw up. I mean, that's just be part of being a human and natural, but I haven't taken the time to really free motion play or do some of these other things because I keep telling myself I, I don't have time for it. Um, but I think the fact is, is that that's scary, right? And it, well, for me, for me, yes, I understand. And it's something, um, that it's okay to be imperfect or not perfect with. And, mm-hmm. um, I don't like not having that control. <laughs> that's part of me and being very type A. Um, so I think just taking the time to slow down and to really connect with your machine and what you're doing and be be okay with making mistakes. Mm-hmm. 
I um I heard a I don't know if I read it or or this idea that I came across and I think it applies in a lot of aspects of life which is that when you are afraid of something when you're afraid of doing something or the thought of doing something scares you you need to look at that really closely and examine is it are you afraid of it because that is actually the thing that you need to do right now in your life sure i mean maybe it's just that it's spiders and they're scary you know but but many times there's a thing that you're afraid of doing and if you were to really look at it square in the face you would realize oh well that's i'm afraid of it because that's my next step in growth or whatever so. yeah and that that definitely is part of it i mean anytime i get together with the my gamble co-workers they always say oh you can do it it's easy no problem it's fun and i go you're crazy no thanks you know move on next but they, they they're all great and encouraging and um it's a great team to be a part of but still doesn't terrifies me still <laughs> <laughs> so uh what advice would you give to somebody who who wants to follow in your footsteps what would you tell them um everything works out for a reason like we're saying, if you're scared to do it, um, jump in. There's always something to fall back on. There's always something there. If you really want it, right, you're, you're going to make it work. And I think, um, Shandy, that's why I told you maybe in our, in our interview, you said, well, how are you going to be able to travel with kids? And how are you going to be able to do this? I said, you don't understand. If this is something that I want, my husband, my family, and I will figure it out. We'll, you know, we'll do it. So if, if starting your own business and having a long arm is something that you want to do, you have to have the drive and determination, but do it. It'll work itself out. It really will. Um, Cindy has a question for you. She said, random question, but what's the story behind your business name? <laughs> okay. 31 Lemons. No, it's a good story. Um, so 31 Lemons, 31 was chosen, um, because of Proverbs 31, 10 through 31. And that verse, if you don't know it, it's oh, it's about attitude and virtues of being a godly woman. And um, that's something that I want at the center of my business is my faith. Um, and then lemons, <laughs> you can see the little lemon back here too. Um, that is because of my daughter. She was four when we first introduced this idea. And we said, okay, kids, like we sat them down, like family meeting, right? Like you see in movies, that's what we did. And we said, hey, mom's gonna start a business. And before we could even spit anything else out, my daughter said, oh, oh, save all the Amazon boxes. What are you talking about? She said, save all the Amazon boxes. Oh, okay. Why? What? Like, you know, coming from left field, she's four. We don't know where she's going with this. We're, we're here to talk about a business. And she said, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to build a lemonade stand and I'm going to sell your stuff outside. Oh. And, oh, can you save extra boxes? So Emerson can sell the boy stuff and I can sell the girl stuff. <laughs> so that's, that's where the lemons came from. And Lemons also have a lot to do with, I think I, I looked it up, like what, what does a lemon symbolize, right? And longevity, 
happiness and friendship were the three that kept coming up. And I thought, well, longevity, that goes with creating an heirloom piece, right? When you have a machine like this, you're building quilts that will stand the test of time. Um, happiness, typically people give these quilts away and we create friendship through any guilds or meeting other people. So it's just something that kind of came full circle with everything. So 31 was because of scripture and lemons was because my daughter. Herb's 31. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. That's and I'm 31 when it started, when we started doing it. So <laughs> that was a perk to that number, right? There you go. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Well, we'll switch over to Donna, but Kayla, if you have any um, input for us, please feel free to chime in. And Donna, you are with Donna Q's Creations, right? Is the name of your yes. shop? Mm -hmm. That's and correct. No, we asked this um, when we first came on, but can you remind us of where home is for you? In Enumclaw, Washington, about 45 minutes outside of Seattle. Okay. Mm-hmm. I, I told my husband when we were when I was moving here, because he already lived here, um, that he was moving me to the Garden of Eden. It's just yeah. a beautiful, beautiful area. And wet a lot. <laughs> it's very wet. We're we're um in one of the rainiest areas of the United States. Yep. That's why it's beautiful, right? <laughs> That's why it's beautiful and green and lush and plush. Yep, it's also wet and soggy. <laughs> when the sun comes out though it is glorious so in in that area i mean the whole the whole area is kind of a metro metropolitan area but there's also a lot of rural areas it where where do you live specifically i'm in a i'm in what's called semi-rural i'm okay. three it's three and a half miles to the center of town three miles to safeway and we have two and a half acres out here. The area is zoned uh, for five acre lots only now. So you can't have, you can't, you can't parcel down below five acres out here. And our neighbor has cows and others have chickens. And um, um, that's just, that's just the way it is out here. Sure. Now. Heaven. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. My, my computer's doing something weird. There we go. I'm back. So how long have you been long arm quilting, Donna? I got my gamel in 2016 in October. Okay. Okay. So that's seven years. And I had other units before the gamel, but I when I found I when I found the gamel on sale on Craigslist. I told my husband, you get me that gamel. I don't care. You get me that gamel <laughs> because gamel is what I wanted. Right. Right. And I I started out with a gamel classic 26 inch. Um, before that, I had uh, my first one was a Flynn. Do you know what a Flynn is? That's where I'm you got the seen one. I've not <laughs> seen one. I've okay. heard of with a Flynn. You have these pipes that you set on top of your table and you assemble it inside of your regular domestic sewing machine and you move the, their quilt goes across the two pipes 
and then you move the whole table you move the whole pipes oh yeah yep underneath and you underneath your domestic sewing machine and your so domestic how long, sewing did, machine how long did you do that for two quilts two quilts small ones right two wall hangings yeah and i said oh i love the i love this business of doing the quilting through my quilt but uh this machine will not meet my needs yeah so i did so, two that was, so that was the first attempt was with the flynn with the flynn uh -huh. my second one was with a cunique uh-huh uh no my second one was with a um faff on a on a long arm frame sure. which i i bought that used also inexpensively it was less than a thousand dollars and um i set that up in my room and i made maybe one or two quilts on it and i said nope this isn't going to meet my needs either and i started now, when, asking when you questions said it was a, when you said it was a faff are you referring to the ones that were basically a tin lizzie but private labeled it it might have been but it How was, big was a, the throat was it 13 six, or 14 16 inch okay yeah i that, think it was a 16 inch that's probably the tin lizzie version yep yeah, might be. You did that yeah. for a couple of quilts, and and then the and cutie... then I said, "This is just well, I don't want to anti-advertise for them either, but this is just well, a piece it's... of crap. I'm going somewhere else. <laughs> yeah. I want a real, I want a real quilting machine, and I was at the Sew Expo that year, and I saw the Cunique, which was inexpensive, something I could afford." So I bought the Cunique for like 3000 and I sold it for the same price I paid for it. And I had that one about six months when the Gamel came up for sale on um, Craigslist out here and also on the Long Arm University's website. And I said, honey, we are buying that machine. I want a Gamel because by then I had done enough research that I knew what I wanted. So was a business part of your original, like at what point did you form the idea that I could do quilts for other people for money? Well, in order to justify buying my gamma long arm, I had to tell my husband I would sew for other people to make money. But it wasn't something that I originally really wanted to do. Um, but but by the time I had my gamel, for a few months, I definitely wanted to sew not only for myself, but for others. And I started with just the 26 inch classic, not um, computerized. So, so, I so you, you told your husband what he needed to hear and you were willing to make good on that promise. Oh yeah. I didn't want to be a liar. Well, sure. Of course. Yeah. But, um, but then somehow it kind of sucked you in. How, how did that happen? Well, um, once I had the 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 classic, um, and I saw everything that this machine could do, I was I I've been a chiropractor for thirty years, and at that point I'd been a chiropractor for twenty five, and I knew that I would be retiring soon. Um, 
or at least semi-retiring. So I needed something else that would add to the family income without taking me out of a craft. Because I'm a very hands-on and very creative person. And the hands-on of doing hand-guided, I loved it. I, I really loved it. Um, and I also could see it as something that my husband could join me in when he retired from chainsaw carving. So um, his, when I first had the gamel installed, it was just being installed when I was leaving um, two days later for a trip. And my, I left the machine. I knew my husband and next door neighbor, who's an artist, were gonna play on it. So I told him what the rules were for playing on it while I was gone. Cause I knew they were gonna do it even if I didn't give them permission. So I told him to park it in the garage, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. And sure enough, I came home and here I had been practicing E's and L's and C's and ocean waves. And, and my husband and his neighbor took the piece that I had done on just a, a muslin sandwich. And they had made this entire scene with a house and a satellite dish and a wheelbarrow in the yard and Mount Rainier in the background and trees and pathways. And I made that, I came home, I saw it and I made it into a pillow for the next door neighbor for his Christmas present. That's and cool. so, you know, you don't, and that was all hand guided by two men who had never touched the sewing machine. And so, the, you know, we get afraid of, of one or the other, the hand guiding or the machine guided, because I have people who hand guide who are scared to death to try and use the Statler, even though they have it on their machine, they won't use it. And, wow. and because they haven't had a class in it and they're afraid they're gonna screw it up and they're gonna ruin their machine. And I've just said, go to the quilting with confidence and get going. But the, the, to, for them to be able to take the hand guided machine and when I saw what they did on that and all they were doing was playing, I said, for goodness sakes, Donna, just play, have fun, play, make, make do and make yourself the muslin sandwich, Kayla, and just play. Don't expect to do anything fantastic. Just take this please, blank piece of fabric that's got leftover batting behind it and just play, have fun, you get over your fear. Donna, I love that encouragement. I I think I think a person might so I think your your husband and his friend were not worried about ruining that fabric because no. it was just fabric and they knew they could buy more. And if you if you draw an analogy, think about a child sitting down in front of a piano. They don't know how to play a piano. They've never had any lessons, but if they plink around with it for a little while, they could probably figure out how to do happy birthday or something, you know, uh, just by ear. And that's what your husband was doing. He was just like, well, this button starts it. And that's, that's so cool. Yeah, it was, it, it's phenomenal. That pillow was absolutely phenomenal. I came home and I said, well, if they can do that, just playing, then I need to stop doing E's and L's and I need to just stand here and play. And, and it helped me a lot in my um, journey of, of uh, hand guiding. Because I do both. I do both. 
Do you have another question, Andrew? <laughs> well, I, I'm I'm waiting to see how long Shandy's gonna stay silent before she jumps <laughs> in. Thanks, Andrew. <clears throat> so you have started, I know you started with the classic 26, but it sounds like now you have a Statler. How long what was the journey to upgrade to the Statler? Um when I got home, the first the first um class that I took with which with quilting with confidence, um my my statler was scheduled to be installed and I was supposed to have two weeks to play before I took the quilting with confidence thing. While the the installer um had to have emergency surgery for I think a knee replacement. And um, so my installation got delayed and I didn't have it until after, but all the classes I had signed up for were on the Statler. So I had the classes having never touched the Statler machine. And so I came home from the class and was trying to figure things out for a year and, and then went and took Quilting with Confidence again and I I did okay with the Statler, but and mostly that at that time I was just quilting for myself, and I did okay with what I needed to do and figured things out and watched videos and figured out from the videos. But then when I went and took the quilting with confidence the second time, I said, "Oh, this does a lot more than I than I thought, and this is absolutely wonderful." And that just cinched it for me that I wanted to do it as a business. Because I, I realized how I could make money with it. Um, and I prefer the custom work, like Kayla said. I prefer custom. But edge to edge, point to point, pantographs, that's your bread and butter. The custom is my gravy. And when I get an order for a custom quilt, I'm like, yes. Because I'm excited and um, about coming up and doing that work and how am I going to do this and how can I be creative? And the edge to edge and point to point, boy, that's what pays for the machine. And that's a lot of joy too, because you're adding to the person's quilt, you're bringing them a blessing. Yeah, yeah it's, a, it's amazing um, how the quilting can change your quilt. I've had customers bring me quilts that say, this has been sitting on my chair for a year and I hate it. Can you just quilt it so I can donate it and be done with it? And they've gotten it back and gone, this is one of my favorite quilts now. This is so exciting. You know, it's, it's amazing what that can do for a piece top. Yeah. Absolutely. It'll bring it to life. Yes, it can bring it to life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Boy, Donna, I was hearing you tell about your uh, challenges with learning the machine and it just, sequence is so important. Uh, you know, the original plan for when you were going to get the training, it would have been perfect. It would have worked out great. Um, we're, we're really glad now that we have a, uh, a new owner training program and we're not counting on, you know, the quilting with confidence to get you up and going. Yeah. Although yeah. I really love that. The quilting with confidence I've been again and it's a really good program yeah. for yeah. learning from. Yes. This wow. this last year we've had people join us on tour that 
haven't even purchased their machine yet and they're test driving it and this was their way to see what the machine was capable of doing before they even dove in and purchased right mm -hmm. yeah. yeah and since then i upgrade i bought the machine used and it was a hand-guided only machine i upgraded to statler and then i upgraded to ascend and I absolutely love my Ascend. I'm still paying for the Ascend upgrade. It was worth every single penny. The The difference in the um, the wheels, the guiding wheels and the um, track alone, the, the, my tension, since they upgraded it, my tension stays better. I don't have to keep rechecking my attention based on my bobbins i put my bobbin in i run it through the toa i put my bobbin in and i do a tension check and 90 percent of the time 95 percent of the time the tension is perfect as long as i set to my toa gauge i cannot do the hand pull i gave up on that i i cannot do that um and you can't count on it i can't Not count reliable. on reliable yeah no yeah. Uh -uh. i just don't have the feel I can't do it. Yeah. But so, I love my I love my ascent. So Donna, um your business right now, um did you what was your sense of how much business was available in your area? Um the the other way that we ask that question is, you know, how how did you know there was enough business to support another long arm quilter, but you kind of came into it in, in a roundabout way, but what was your sense of the available business? When I heard from quilters that there were lead times out there to get their quilt done, especially if they needed it for Christmas, that they had to turn their quilt, they had to get on schedule by July to get a quilt for Christmas. Right. All right that that i said oh well then there's plenty of business out there and i went and talked to we only have one quilt shop that's really close and it's a small shop she was running a single gamel and now runs two and she still has overflow of business that she tells people if you need it by that deadline you need to contact one of these other long armors in the area and the then there's another that's um quilt shop called Ben Franklin's that's sort of between a private held quilt shop and Joanne's. It's in between those two kinds of stores. And they also have they they don't do any long arming themselves, but they send it, they refer to local long armors. And so they are now going to be referring to me also. And the guild people were having troubles with getting all of their quilts done that they needed for charity and that sort of stuff. And I don't charge the guild for their charity quilts, but that gives me a name within the guild to get business. It's one of the ways I get business. So specifically, what are the things that you did to find new customers? I mean, it, you've got connections with these quilt shops. What did you do mm -hmm. to make those connections? went in and talked to them. Um, I had bought fabric from them before. I introduced them to the guild um, and and encouraged them to come into the guild and have, have a presence there and to be at our 
quilt show that we put on every year locally. And that kind of endeared me to the quilt shop owners that I was trying to help them to build their business and not just take from them. Um, and um, I forgot what your question was, Andrew. You just answered it. I was oh, just asking, good. you know, what actions did you take specifically to to find those customers and to make those connections? And and uh, I love I love what you just said about uh, about how you how you looked at your wanting to make a friendship with this quilt shop owner, and you think to yourself, well, what does she need? You know, how can right. I help her to be successful? Mm -hmm. yeah. That's mm -hmm. awesome. Yeah. And don't ever tell a quilt shop owner how to run their business. They don't like that. But it's very good. It's very good to encourage them to to um, participate in your guild's quilt show or to advertise in your guild's newspaper. You know, even yeah. if she might get long arm business that I didn't get. There's enough to go around. So if she advertised in the guild's newsletter that she long-armed, then that's not going to hurt me because no. we're both going to get business out of it. There's lots of business out there. Yes. So uh, you've had a lot of different steps along the way where you had to put out some money, you know, from the flint yes. all the way through the different machines. Um did you ever need to uh, take out a loan or? I have taken yeah. out, I have financed each step of the way. I have financed, I've paid off everything except my Ascend ahead of schedule. And that's because, and I used my car as my collateral. Okay. Rather than using the long arm. Because if I used the long arm, it was a business loan and it was a higher percentage rate. But by using my car as my collateral, my car was paid off. So I used my car as my collateral and that lowered my interest rate down. So my rate on my Ascend is like 2.3%, something like that. And um, I'm paying that off on schedule, on purpose, because it's so much cheaper than my credit card expense and my other loans that I have that I'm putting my extra money into paying off my other debt. Donna, thank you for mentioning that approach. It's one that we also mention to people, uh, but sometimes they don't consider it. You can walk into your bank, preferably it's your bank or your credit union, the place where you have your checking account. And uh, you can generally in less than an hour, walk out with a loan on an RV that you already own free and clear. If you have the title for the RV or for the car or the pickup truck or whatever, they have a really good, well-figured out system for doing those loans. Because everybody who wants to buy a car, you know, checks with their bank. Right. And uh, it's very easy. And uh, I think more people should look at it because now, obviously, if if you already owe a bunch of money on the car, there's no equity there. But right. But uh, if you right. own it being clear, you can mm -hmm. tap that. Yes, yes. We've tapped our vehicles for more than one thing. 
And I've been a business owner for 30 years because I have had my chiropractic business. So you learn a lot along the way that pertains to both businesses. So do you still do the chiropractic or are you doing both or did you transition? I still practice three mornings a week as a chiropractor. And then I, I long arm on Thursday and Friday. Is, is your goal to get completely into the long arm or what's your plan? My goal is to go completely to long arming. I'm almost 70. I'm, I'm very happy to um, be doing something that's a little easier on my body. Chiropractic is hard on your wrists and arms. No. Yeah, I'm just thinking, I never thought about that before. Chiropractors have saved my life a few times, uh, but I never thought about what it takes out of them to do it. I'm a big guy, so it takes a, sometimes a lot. Sometimes it would take a lot. I don't work on any big men anymore. I work mostly on women and children. I've had a thriving practice. I now only take care of 12 patients a week, and I can make I can make a living almost with no staff on that 12 patients a week. So it's hard to close out the rest of the office because it nets close to three grand a month, but um, uh, without staff. So, right. you know, that, Boy, that's that, almost as good as long arm quilting for a business. That is correct. Except you I can't can, take a vacation from those patients because they need you. Correct. I can't because they won't let me go. But, right. but, you know, then I can double my income with the and and not. I mean, I love the long arming so much. It's so creative. It's taps into my art skills that um, it gives me a better. It gives me a creative outlet, which I need. I really need. Yeah. yeah. That's so cool. Mm -hmm. uh, let's talk about your rates for a minute. How how do you how do you uh, give people a quote for the quilting? Well, I usually give them an estimate, and I tell them this is an estimate, um, and I give them kind of a range when they drop their quilt off. If they're going for um, an edge to edge, point to point, and it's a small quilt, it's usually pretty accurate. The going rate around here is between one and a half and two and a half cents a square inch. I won't work for one and a half. So um, it's just too low. Um, I will work for two to two and a half on a small quilt that's edge to edge that's well pieced. But then if I have to repair the quilt, if I have to ease in um, a poorly squared up quilt, a bless your heart quilt, as they call it. If I, I've had one woman that doesn't have good eyesight and I've had to put her seams together because she's got seams that she missed one side of the fabric. Um, and so I've had to repair those for her and sending it back to her to fix herself. That's really hard to do because She's in, in her 90s, and she's still very active in our guild. She makes charity quilts for the guild. So I just kind of graciously help her out a bit. Um, she also has good finances for herself, so I'm not worried about having to charge her for those repairs. 
So we sneak it in as a thread charge or, you know, something so I don't have to insult her when she picks up her quilt. Um, thread charge, batting charge, you know, add five bucks here or five bucks there to Got figure it. it out so I don't have to insult her. Yeah. Yeah. And then my my fees range then from two cents a square inch up to about 10 or 12. And that's for intense custom. Yeah. And you said earlier how much you enjoy doing the custom. I do. I love doing the custom. And I do both hand guided and I do um, machine guided. And I do combination of both on the same quilt sometimes. It depends upon the person because my hand guided is not as neat and tidy as the um, machine guided, which is always looks perfect. Uh, so the the hand guided has a little bit more Grandma Moses look to it rather than Rembrandt. But but um, it, it just depends on what the customer wants. And we talk about that when they drop it off. And then I have some customers that drop it off and say, Donna, just do your magic. I don't care if you point to point or you, I don't care how you do this. Just make it the best quilt that you can. And then I will look at it and then I call them and advise them. And I say, well, we could do this point to point pattern and it would be about this much. Or I could really make it the best it could be and it'll be custom and it'll be this much with the ruler work. Yeah. Now. Kind of giving them a, a A or A option or B option. Yes. And it's amazing. Sometimes they take that A option. But when they've brought me a quilt that they've spent a lot of time piecing, they almost always want to go with the custom. Yeah. They've yeah. got a lot invested in it already. Yes. Yes. I I feel like because uh because I found so much of your story to be interesting and I dug in with some different questions, I'm gonna skip over some that might be a little bit more boring, but I want to get to this one, which is what did you find to be the hardest part of building your business? The hardest part for me in building my business is that I have um, I've had people tell me that I can be the most wonderful person and I can also be a skunk crossed with a porcupine. And so sometimes I prickle people and I really watch myself not to do that. But I think the hardest part of my building my business has been my own personality because somebody could tell me in the beginning Somebody could tell me, well, I really want point to point on here. And I would say something like, if I put point up point on here, it's going to absolutely ruin your quilt. You really want to go custom. And what I should have been saying was something a little bit more tactful. And so that the is, hardest part of building my business has been myself. That is a very self-aware answer. Yeah. So I have learned to be more tactful in how I speak to my customers and how I approach it. And, oh, if you want point to point on here, that's going to be so lovely. Let's pick a pattern that will go with your quilt. Yeah. Interesting. You know? We got that's a question, a write-in question from Holly. Uh, she, she addressed this one for you, Donna. She says, when you meet with the client, do you have a form that you fill out with them for the thread color and the pattern? 
or just in general, how do you consult with them? When I first started doing um, my work with customers, I did have a form. Now I use a blank piece of paper because I found that I have a, I have a form for myself that has the questions I need to be sure are answered, but I liked having more freedom in my space. So I have more room for note taking and for um you ever just, sketch a sketch a layout or anything? I do sketch a layout. I have a large sheet of acrylic that has blue tape around the outside edge of that acrylic sheet. And I set that sometimes I'll set their quilt out on my I have one of those 72 by uh 40 uh cutting table. And I will put their quilt out on the cutting table and then set my acrylic sheet over the top and we'll draw designs and take pictures with the iPhone. Well, I don't have an iPhone, I have a droid, but with my with my phone. Yep. And that way we can come up sometimes with a pattern that they like if I'm going to custom especially because it shows them what that is going to look like. And if well, they it gets, want to... it gets the scale too. Yes, it gets the scale. Mm-hmm. And if we're going to do an edge to edge and we can see the pattern on the screen up on my computer, which I can see from my cutting table, then I can vaguely sketch out that pattern on the acrylic over their quilt so they can see what it's going to look like on their quilt. And that's helpful. Okay. Not, not everybody can see if it's not put in front of them. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. So um, who's been your biggest cheerleader and your support system? The, um, my friends, my close friends from the guild have been my biggest cheerleaders. My husband has been helpful in that, but my biggest cheerleaders are our friends and, um, and the people themselves when they pick up their quilts have been really helpful to me. Because most of the time when they pick up, it's, oh, my goodness, I just love it. You know, you've done such a great job. Thank you. Even on yeah. ones when I thought could have been done a lot better in the beginning, I thought, oh, I hand guided this. This would have looked a whole lot better if it would have been done with the Statler. And especially once you learn how to um, trim inside and outside. Um, but the the fact that they're so um, in love what you do it's something they can't do for themselves right right it gives yeah. you a lot of validation doesn't it it does it does do you agree with that kayla oh absolutely i mean it it's amazing what what they say and how that can affect you and like i i post almost everything i do on facebook and the comments are awesome and it's really fun when um, you tag the person that it's their quilt and then their friends start. Oh, look at that! That's awesome because they a lot of um, quilters. Well, not I shouldn't say a lot of quilters, but there's some quilters um, like myself that their friends don't understand their trade. <laughs> when I said I was um, going to buy this machine, they're like, "You're going to do what? You're going to buy how much?" You're, you're going to spend how much on that and you're going to start a business my friends don't get it they don't understand right. not in the quilting world but when you start posting this stuff on facebook or other social media platforms 
you get affirmation from so many different directions and that is just awesome. Yeah. And then it's crazy that they actually pay you for this. Yes. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, so Donna, the, uh, mm -hmm. the quilting money and the control of your personal schedule, uh, how has that uh, had an impact in your life? Um, I, I absolutely love that. And the, you know, I've been in such a, I've had set hours for my office and, and it's patient, 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 patient. And even though I've worked for myself, my schedule is predetermined and preset. And now that I'm doing the long arming, if I have something that comes up, like the other day, I had a friend who had to have somebody take her to the hospital for an emergency visit and she ended up with a pacemaker and um yeah and and I was able to drop what I was doing you know stop and run and take care of her and then come back and finish the quilt and what a joy that is to be able to um not only be in charge of my own schedule but to be able to alter it when it needs to be altered and not be well, I can't get there until after five o'clock because I have patients till then. Right. Yeah. That's a theme we hear from so many people is the freedom to be the kind of person you want to be because you're not you're not locked into your work schedule. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What is something that you wish somebody would have told you when you first started with that Flynn? <laughs> That I should just start with the gamel. <laughs> um, I I liked the journey that I went on to get to where I am today, because I I don't have any questions about that I arrived where I want to arrive and where I should have where I ended needed to end up, but the journey along the way was interested in it was interesting in what I learned with each thing. I learned something that advanced me to the next level. And so it was a good journey. But if I could have saved the money in the first place and shortened the journey and gone straight to a gamble, I would have done I would have done that. Um, perhaps I could have done more research before I started, but you know, it was a good journey. There were things you just didn't know yet. I didn't know. And I didn't <laughs> know I was going to love doing the building the sandwich so much you know I loved piecing but right. I didn't know I know I don't like hand stitching so I didn't want to hand stitch my quilts um and I did not enjoy doing them on a domestic which I know people who do huge quilts on a domestic um that is not me and so I and I have a 14 foot my my frame's a 14 foot. So I can do I get the orders for the big king size quilts. So if if there's a another lady like yourself a uh, couple hundred miles away and she's thinking, boy, I want to do what Donna's done, is do you see any reason why anybody couldn't just jump in and do just like you did? No, I don't. Quilts here and there, and 
as, make as a friendship with the quilt shop. And... No, I don't see any reason why they couldn't do it. The um, I'm actually people say no, you're not. I'm actually a very shy person, and I hide it well and I mask it well by being straightforward and coming out, but. Inside, I really like to be back behind my mother's skirt still and hanging on to her knees. Um, and so for me, getting out in the public and advertising myself is a challenge. And if I can get out there and do that, when that is that much of a challenge for me, so can other people. Wow. And I, one of the- I just, I just love the grit that you uh, explained. That's that's a gritty kind of approach. It's like, you know what? Uh, sometimes you have to do something that's not easy. Right, right. And that's where the personal growth comes in, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. My friend has a four, uh, my friend has a friend with a four-year-old and the four-year-old says, I can do hard things. And yes, I can do hard things. And one of the hard things for me is being out and, talking one-on-one -on -one with people. I'd rather be the speaker at an organization than be in the audience having to introduce myself and carry on one-to-one. -one. So one-to-one -one is hard for me. And in this business, you have to do one-to-one. -one. You do. Yep. You do. Mm -hmm. Well, you must be getting good enough at it that your, I mean, your customers are obviously loving the work that you do. So... One of the things you haven't asked yet is what do I add on in my business? And I do I like Kayla. Pardon? I did not ask that. Go ahead and fill no. us. Can I answer it? Yes, please. <laughs> I'm sorry. One of my, um, like Kayla, I do a thread charge and I, I charge by the bobbin for thread. So if I have six bobbins, there's a charge per bobbin to help pay for the thread in the quilt. And, um, I do batting, and um, in addition to the battings that she mentioned, for babies' quilts, I maintain my stock of bamboo batting because bamboo batting is self-disinfecting as long as it's not bleached or washed in extremely hot water, and I use that as a selling point to my customers for their baby quilts. And the bamboo batting is a little more expensive, so I make a little bit more profit off of it, and I, I, but I do have bamboo batting here for baby quilts or for old folks quilts where, you know, people with dementia and stuff where they sit and they hug their quilt all day and they chew on the corner and stuff like that. Um, that makes the bamboo batting is a really good thing to have as an addition. Awesome. Okay. Well, uh, I, think i think we pretty much i did skip around a little bit and okay. for those who really love it to be the same every time what's that shandy i said you lost me and i just i couldn't i couldn't keep up with your questions well you know i realized after a little while i thought you know what here here you uh had to carry the entire uh webinar for the first <laughs> half and so I'm going to come in and I'll do the other half. So. Hey, okay. We're glad you got to go see Carl. That's wonderful. Yep. That's yeah. Yes. Holly did ask about the supplies um, extra that you sold. So I think we answered that one. She also asked if any of us, 
anyone is going to be at Quilting with Confidence in Oklahoma City. So I know Kayla will be at Quilting with Confidences in general, but probably doesn't know which ones yet. (laughs) I'm sure the rest of us will be popping in. What about you, Donna? Are you going to make it to one this year? I I don't know. I've been looking at the schedule. I would like to make Hawaii. My husband and I had a trip planned to Israel in March. And of course, that's been canceled. So we're trying to get decide whether or not we're leaving our deposit or getting our money back. And that will affect whether or not I can join you in Hawaii. I would love to do that. Um, But we're we're still watching the schedule and trying to figure out I would I've been to quilting with confidence three or four times and I would still go again. Next time I'm going to do the hand guided. I've done machine guided a number of times and now I'm going to do a hand guided program. It is also, it's so amazing the people that you meet when you go to those. And when you go to one that's local to you, there's a lot of advantages because you don't have to find somebody to feed the dog, you know, and uh, you can sleep in your own bed and things like that. But when you Mm -hmm. go to one that's far away, you you meet the other people that you wouldn't have met. So it's really, you know, you you can't go wrong by going to Quilted with Confidence. No. The closest ones here this year is three hours up to, three and a half to four hours up to Vancouver, Canada, or down to the one that's near Bend, Oregon, and that's about a four-hour drive also. Yeah. So it's a little bit. spend the night, yeah. I would spend the night and I would be meeting new people. I'd like to go to the one in Vancouver because Canadians are a bit different. And um, I would love to hear their take on a lot of things. Well, I was just there yesterday, as a matter of fact. I was uh-huh. in Vancouver. And uh, Canadians are different and their market's a little different and, and everything. But uh, if you decide to go, I'm sure you will enjoy it. Yeah. I'm sure I will. Yeah. I'm sure I will. And I'll learn more. Yeah. I've learned everyone I've attended and I've attended many. Yeah. And I would, yeah. They're a lot of fun. I enjoy yes. teaching on them and being out on the road. So 42 stops this year. So if anybody's interested, gamble.com backslash quilting with confidence. Or if you're interested in Hawaii, like Donna mentioned, that's gamble.com backslash Hawaii. Yeah. Uh, and there's a there is a I don't know that I can give it justice by describing it, but there's the two day training that you take, but there's also a one day event that we're doing. Shandy, how would you best explain that? Yeah, it's called Confidence Essentials, and it's a, a day that's free of charge. We just ask you sign up ahead of time because we do need a head count and want to make sure we have seating for everyone. Um, but it's a day, it's a great day if you are just interested in learning about long arm, like if this is kind of a new world to you and you think you might want to come and hang out with the educators and learn some fun things or learn some basics, you can do that. Or if you already have a machine, um, and you want to learn some things about maintenance, we have a maintenance class as well. And, or if you have another brand, we'd still love to see you come and, uh, meet the, you know, it's a great chance to network and meet the local quilter quilters in your area as well. So lots of opportunity and, you know, you can get some hands-on experience um, on a machine 
get that, you know, that full day and a really in-depth learning experience. You know, Kayla mentioned before you got here, Andrew, that that's kind of what inspired her quilting journey is she went to a, um, like a longer kind of hands-on class, like with her, with her mom. And so, um, ah, okay. yeah, so it's a great opportunity to get to know a machine and the right. quilters. Right. Cool. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Well, cool. Well, thank you guys both for sharing your stories. Um, I'm gonna uh, make sure to listen to the beginning and get Kayla's Kayla's story because even though we've met in person, I don't know what her answers to these questions were. Well, so you. you know, find out what that was. <laughs> we can chat in March. <laughs> sure, sure. All right. Well, All right. thank you guys so much. And You're welcome. We'll See everybody on the next episode. Sounds good. Have a good night, guys. Thank you for joining us today on Quilting Business Success. We hope you've been inspired by these stories of quilters just like you who have turned their dreams into reality. If you enjoyed today's show, don't forget to subscribe so that you don't miss any episodes. One of the best things you can do to support us is to write a glowing review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever platform you're using to listen to the show. Those reviews help bring us up in the algorithm so that more quilters are exposed to our show. What would you like to change in your life? And what steps can you take today to bring you closer to the life that you want?